0: Beginning next Sunday, I'm going to be starting a relationship sermon series. It's called Union. And the idea behind the series is we talk about union in all these different aspects, especially marriage. But marriage isn't the only metaphor or understanding for how relationships can happen within the Christian life. Marriage as a way is an image of the way God loves us, and that image can carry forth in all kinds of relationships. So I'm gonna be starting to talk. I'll start the sermon with sermon series talking about friendship. We'll talk about singleness. We'll talk about dating, marriage and children, sex and gender. Um, and my favorite topic, which is, Conflict. I love talking about conflict. I love conflict. Um, so we'll talk We'll talk about that, and we'll also have some special speakers from within our congregation um, address some of these topics as well. And so um, if you have questions about relationships, you can come ask me about them, and I may not be able to answer them, but I will do my best to address them through the course of the series. I also want you to know that our life groups will no longer um, have the sermon passage ahead of time, but you'll be discussing it after. So just for the for the period of this sermon series, the six weeks, we will be discussing the sermon after, um, afterwards rather than, ahead of, rather than discussing the sermon text beforehand, okay? And so um, today, um, it is a new year, and I want to talk about the practice of keeping a journal. Could you just raise your hand if you keep some kind of journal, whether it's notes or, okay, probably Most of you. It looks like most of you, maybe half. Okay, maybe half of you. And so, in talking about this practice, what I want to discuss first is this movie from 2000 called Memento. It's it's one of Christopher Nolan's first movies. Oh, some people like it. All right. It's, uh, it's, It's actually a second feature film. I thought it was his first. That film from the year 2000 centers on a man named Leonard who is on a mission to find out who murdered his wife and to get vengeance on his wife's murderer. However, as a result of the attack on his wife, he suffers from um, amnesia. It's called anterograde amnesia, which means he's unable to form short-term memory. So what Leonard has to do because he can't remember anything when he wakes up. So it's like reverse Groundhog's Day, right? Uh, Every day is a new day, but he can't remember what happened the day before. What he resorts to is he takes pictures of everything that happens. He jots down notes, and then this is probably the most interesting thing he does. He gets tattoos to remind himself of clues to find his wife's murderer. And one of the things that this movie explores is just how fundamental memory is to our existence and to our lives. How memory gives us meaning to our lives because your memory is literally what makes meaning out of what's happened to you. And when that gets messed with or manipulated, really dark and evil things can happen. And I've been thinking about this idea of memory as I'm thinking about aging and I've been thinking about my parents. And um, as my parents recently um, have aged, one of the stories that they've told me is they somehow end up I mean, this is like another maybe memento type thing. They somehow end up watching the same movies over and over. And they don't realize it because when they start the movie, they think that this is the first time watching it. And then somewhere about halfway through the movie, or maybe towards the end, they realize, you know, I think we've watched this already. Um, but it was, it was, I think what's great is that they can enjoy the movie. The problem is they don't remember that they've watched it in the past. And I've been thinking about this for myself as far as myself and aging. Um, and I know um, for some of you, seeing your parents or or a loved one deteriorate in terms of memory, either from Alzheimer's or from ALS, from a neurological disease, Uh, one of the things that's so painful about it is they no longer resemble the person that you knew them to be because memory shapes who we are. Memory is what makes us who we are. When you are able to remember, recognize a loved one's face, that's what enables you to have a relationship. That's what enables you to love another person. And when you're unable to do that, it strikes at the very core of our being and what it means to be in relationship. And so to that, what I want us to do is to think about what then it means to remember because the purpose of keeping a journal is for our memory. And I have four points that I wanna discuss today in terms of why keep a journal. And the first I've just mentioned, it is to remember. And really every other point is just a function of remembering. First is to remember. Second, it is to reflect. The third, it is to discern. And then fourth, it is to imagine. Journaling as a form of imagination. And again, I, I want to say just up front, they're all forms of remembering. All of these things are all forms of remembering. And so let's, let's start with a, a passage that I think is important to think about what it means to remember. Actually, I'm going to do two passages, two Psalms. And the first one is Psalm 102. And you can turn there. I will have the, passages, the passage up. But let me introduce Psalm 102 quickly. First of all, this is a prayer, what the introduction of the psalm says that it's a prayer of one afflicted. And it says, when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. So Psalm 102 is not actually meant to be um, sung communally. It's, it's personal. It is a personal psalm. And then in the very first verse, it says, hear my prayer, o Lord, let my cry come to you. And verses two through 11 are lament. It's a form of complaint. For example, verse five says, because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. And then in verse 12, things change. It says, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. And in verse 17, talks about recording, regarding the prayer of the destitute and that he does not despise their prayer. So you have this milestone. And now I'm going to read starting in verse 18. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and Jerusalem his praise when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. So what I want to focus on is verse 18. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let this be recorded for a generation to come. So that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. See what it's saying here is that the purpose of this particular psalm. The, purpo- the purpose of its record is so that a people not yet created. A future people would praise God. And so I would say that is the first purpose of of the reason we journal. And I recognize, I wanna make a caveat here, I recognize that none of us is writing scripture. I just wanna acknowledge that. None of you are writing scripture. I'm not writing scripture. No, our words are not that important. And yet to the extent that God values our thoughts, which he does, he values our thoughts and he values our words. He wants that to be a legacy so that we would have a reason, a future reason, a pe- future peoples that have a reason to praise the Lord because of his faithfulness to us. Because we speak this Psalm today. We were a people that weren't created when these words were written and we, we were just singing earlier. We gather today to praise God for who he is and to declare his goodness, to declare his character, that he looked down from his holy height, from heaven, the Lord looked at the earth, he sets the prisoners free. He pays attention to the prayers of the destitute. That is the character of who God is, and as a legacy of that, we get to praise him. And what I love about this, and I'm I'm stealing a little bit of of the thunder later on, is that this psalmist is imagining a future people. The psalm, the the person who wrote the psalm is imagining a future people who would praise God for the reasons that he states in this psalm. And so this is the most important aspect of what it means to remember that we, we carry this so that future generations may praise the Lord. So for example, we talk about believing in the name of Jesus, right? As a Christian, we recognize you believe in the name of Jesus, but the name isn't just the sound that someone's, uh, the, the sound that comes out of your mouth—that's assigned to a particular person. When you say someone's name, you are speaking their character, their works, and their reputation. And how do we understand that character, works, and reputation, especially and particularly of Jesus? Well, you understand his character, works, and reputation through the scriptures, through the gospels which have been recorded, and that talk that detail his specific acts on our behalf. And then not just the Gospels, but also the Hebrew Scriptures have been recorded so that the specific character of Christ and God the Father have been made manifest for us. And that that absolutely does require discernment and ability to read and then also connect Scripture to see Christ in all the Scriptures, to see Christ throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, throughout the Old Testament. But that's what we have today because it's been documented because it's been recorded for us. Now much of, much of that tradition was recorded orally, but the fact that it's been written down is a testament for us to be to, as the future created people to be able to praise God and for future generations to be able to praise him. So there is a legacy of being able to remember the works and character of God. And so some of you might ask, well, scripture has been recorded, but again, we're not scripture, but there's other ways to remember And you would be absolutely right that there are other ways to remember the teachings of God. And the first one, we're going to practice together after the sermon. And that's the act of communion, the ritual of communion. Now, there are physical rituals that help us remember the life and death of Jesus. And communion is the primary one. It's a simple ritual of nourishment and fellowship. And Jesus says himself to do this in remembrance of me. So we have physical rituals that help us in the act of remembering. And I would also say, and this is maybe not as, maybe not as spiritual because you know where I'm coming from, but even like the act of setting up a Christmas tree and putting up Christmas lights, those are acts of remembering because those traditions define who we are and where we came from. And most of all, a spiritual tradition reminds us of who we belong to. Okay, The other aspect of remembering is when we live together in community. When you are in relationship with other people, you have this act of remembering. And so for instance, my brother, uh, my brother and my high school buddies all talk about this so-called death hike that was accomplished in high school. And I grew up in Almaden, and we would hike from the, our, my parents' neighborhood, the neighborhood where we grew up, to the top of Mount Umunum, which is actually illegal to do back in the 90s, okay? And I did not participate in that hike, but the way that we talk about it today Every time you, you talk about a previous story, you take out that memory and you revisit it and you actually reshape the memory, right? You notice that? You notice every time you recollect something, you actually alter what actually, what, what the recollection of what happened, right? So now as part of our lore, it's as if I was on the hike, right? I didn't participate on the hike, but now I've heard the story so many times and it's, it kind of aggravates me to hear it every time. But now I'm actually part of the hike um, because I've heard it so many times. Because we remember together. And if anyone brags about themselves too much in that story, someone will take them down. Because that's the nature of telling stories among friends, is that collective memory keeps there some accountability to it. And that's the, that's the beauty of being in community with one another, is that you get to shape the collective remembering. The last form of remembering that isn't about keeping a journal is music. Music. Music is probably the best way to remember something. That's why the ABCs are a song, (laughs) because the best way to remember something is to to embed it in your consciousness is through music. And we practice that here as well when we sing together. And so we sing together in community as an act of remembering. Now, to say all that does not mean that journaling isn't keeping a journal isn't important. By the way, I want to define I want to give a definition for journaling. I didn't get to do that. I would just say it's simply taking a record of your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, and your choices. Okay? It is a record of your thoughts, feelings, desires, and choices. Okay? That's how I define journaling. And it can absolutely include taking notes, which I see some of you are. That's absolutely a form of journaling. And so why then is it important to keep a journal if The Bible doesn't explicitly talk about it. Well, the reason I think it's important today to remember is because we are more disconnected today than ever before. Now, I fully acknowledge that in the times of the ancient Near East, people couldn't read. Most people couldn't read. So no one's really keeping a journal. You couldn't keep a journal at that time. And yet every day they're interacting in community with one another, right? And every day there are even physical rituals where people are acting together in concert to remember, to have this collective memory. And in the ancient Near East, you had an oral tradition recording spiritual milestones milestones and stories as a people group. And we know the Israelites built physical altars like Ebenezer stones as reminders of what God had done in his faithfulness. So you could just wander around the town and see physical reminders of what God has done. That's not how our culture operates today. We don't have those physical reminders. We aren't that physically connected with one another. We don't necessarily live in community. We, don't, we have fragmented relationships. So journaling, digging up an old journal is one way to like stumble upon an Ebenezer stone. That's the modern day equivalent of what it means. And so let me give, let me give I'm gonna try to give how-to tips. I don't wanna save them all for the end. So let me give a how-to tip for how you can start journaling today. I would um, it always helps to have a prompt, to have a journaling prompt. So here, let me give you a prompt for each day. And here's the prompt. What was the most memorable five-second moment of today? What was the most memorable five-second moment of the day? If you were to ask me about our Christmas, um, it was playing volleyball with my sons at Santa Monica Beach. And, and daughter, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sons and daughter at Santa Monica Beach. Okay, I'll pay for that one. Yeah, Katie's, Katie's saying no. Okay, I'll repent later. Um, so, so being able to record that is part of what journaling is about. That's part of the beauty of being able to keep a journal is recording that five-second moment. Um, and If you think about it, life is just composed of those moments where there's a lead up to it and there's like a kind of a letdown, but it all kind of culminates in that five second moment. So even just being able to write it down, I think is really important. I also do want to say something because I know photo journaling is actually really big. And, you know, speaking to my daughter, she just asked for like the Be Real app, um, which I think does takes pictures. Does it take pictures every day or something like that of back and forth? I think, pictures are, I think pictures are fantastic. I think pictures are awesome. People say pictures take a thousand words, but I think you should, we also need to acknowledge that pictures, especially in our culture, are highly curated. They are highly curated, which means there's a lot of work that goes into creating a certain atmosphere of the picture. And there's something about that atmosphere that isn't captured, and that's where I think words are powerful, where thoughts, feelings, and intentions um, might be better communicated through words. Because God didn't give us a picture book. I mean, that picture book is the Bible. The Bible speaks through words, and God speaks, though, in images. And those images are conveyed through words. So I think words are still important. So sure, keep, keep your be real, do your one picture a day thing, but maybe add words. Add words to them, because those words are precious, and God is interested in your thoughts. So that's the first part. That's the first reason to journal, is to remember. The second reason for journaling is self-reflection. Let me read from Psalm 143. I think I have the, the scripture up. Let me read from Psalm 143, 5 and 6. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Now this is very similar to Psalm 102, 18, where this is about remembering But this goes a step further in that it's not only about remembering for future generations. What this is about is meditating. This is about a prayerful life. And so what I would say, the second reason you would keep a journal is to have a moment to reflect. Is to be able to meditate on what God has done in your life. And that is the purpose of that, um, of being able to keep a journal. Now, the Gospel Coalition's website has an entire course on journaling. And their definition is this. Journaling is a powerful tool for self-reflection that allows us to cooperate with the spirit to make sense of the deepening work he is doing in our soul. Let me read that one more time. Journaling is a powerful tool for self-reflection that allows us to cooperate with the spirit to make sense of the deepening work he is doing in our soul. Jordan Peterson gives an even more concise definition. And it's not exactly journaling, but he talks about memory. The purpose of memory is to extract past lessons to structure the future. Extract past lessons to structure the future. The purpose of keeping a journal isn't just for someone else to read it in the future, but it is to actually transform and to change and to learn from our mistakes and the lessons that we've grown from. And so let me give you an example. I know some of you are taking notes right now. I think taking notes during a sermon is fantastic. It's definitely a form of journaling. Um, and I was, as I was talking to my wife about the reason she journals, she, she does it because this helps her to think and it helps her to remember. And I think especially if you are handwriting notes, there's something about the, the process of writing that helps etch something into your memory, into your consciousness. Um, how many of you took notes during college? Did most of you take notes during college? I'm, I'm guessing. Okay. How many, and how many of you look back at your notes? Okay. A smaller su- a subset of the number of people who took notes. So I think, it's, I think taking notes is most powerful, especially when you can actually look back at them. If you don't look back at your notes, maybe they're not as helpful. But I also recognize that in the process of writing them down, you remember them. Now, I want to speak to different types of people here because I think everyone can journal. There's different types of people and we journal for different reasons. I know for myself, when I'm madly writing writing down notes, I actually stop paying attention. I know that sounds weird, but there's different levels of listening. And when I'm madly writing down everything the professor or pastor or speaker or whatever is saying, I actually stop thinking at a very deep level and I just start, regurgitating words onto the paper and I'm working on writing those words. And so what I invite you to think about is maybe experiment with the way that you take notes. And I'm I'm guessing if if some of you have done this for a while, you've done so, or some of you know taking notes isn't helpful for you. And for me, it's not that helpful. And so now I don't necessarily take notes, but afterwards I process and reflect on what I've heard. And I write something down of what I've heard. And I do that for every book that I read. Um, I'll take some notes afterwards. I'll write kind of a summary or some of my impressions of that book. And I also realize, and I want to talk about this too, because I know a lot of you will be starting a Bible reading plan this year. And I started a Bible reading plan last year and I failed miserably. I think I stopped maybe in, maybe in June, but I was trying to convince myself I'd start it back up in August, but it just, didn't, it just didn't happen. So I was like, I'm like halfway through. So my one year Bible plan will become a two year Bible plan. So praise God for multi-year goals. Your new year resolution from 2022, you can roll it over. Okay, you can roll it over to 2023 because if, if it's important, just keep it going, right? Just keep it going. Okay, so how am I going to survive my Bible reading plan? How am I going to actually execute on it? Well, for me, I need to be able to take notes on it. It's really important for me to write something down that I've read because I'm not going to remember it. And I think the trouble for me for a Bible reading plan is that I start writing. I'm sorry, I start reading and I, all I th- can think about is I just got to get to the end. I just, and by the time you get to the end, you're just tired and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm totally done. Um, and I would like to have more energy to be able to reflect and process and write. And so I, want to, I need to save some energy for that process of reflection. And that's what journaling is. It, you're saving some energy for this process of reflecting and thinking about yourself. Now let me give you an example of what self-reflection looks like. This is from October 10th, 2012. Um, I'm a pastor at CCIC, Chinese Church in Christ, South Valley. I work closely with my dad. My dad had written feedback to me about how I should use the word serve instead of oversee in regards to my relationship with the English congregation. He was right, but I didn't take it well because I have a delicate ego. I'm not that humble. And I thought it was because I wasn't an elder yet. And I went on to say some other things. And so I just gave, I just gave some candid you know, thoughts about what I experienced. Because I, 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 I actually remember this very moment. I got in an argument with my dad um, about this. Um, and I, That was kind of the five-second moment that, I, that was captured for me. Um, and in writing it down, it was a tool of self-reflection. Because you'll notice I wrote down kind of my thoughts. I wrote, I wrote some of my emotions. It didn't say I was angry, but I was angry. It says I didn't take it well, but I was angry. Um, and then I also wrote down kind of my desires, which were... I, well, I thought he was right, and, and what, what I say later on is that he, you know, I, th- I thought he, I ended up realizing he was right, and I wish I hadn't responded that way, and I want to talk more um, as we get through this sermon about what you can do once you write certain things down, because as you read that, you're probably going to learn some things about yourself, and even as I read it right now, I learned th- some things about me that are maybe a little bit embarrassing, a little bit exposing. Um, And then the second thing I want to say in your tool of self-reflection, people journal for different reasons. For some of you, you're going to journal, and what's going to help you is that no one else is going to read it, right? You're going to think to yourself, no one else is going to read it. But I realize for myself, and this is not going to be a surprise to any of you that know me, I actually journal because I think about who might read it in the future, (laughs) okay? I journal with that motivation. And the reason why is when I was in high school, I read a book by Elizabeth Elliot called Shadow of the Almighty. And it is about the journals of Jim Elliot, who was a missionary. And in that, he basically, um, Elizabeth is his, was his wife, because he died. He was martyred. And she took all of his journals. And I just loved reading about this godly man and the things that he wrote while he was in college. And it gave just tremendous inspiration to me. And so now, when I write in my journal, even though I know no one may read it, Um, I'm actually, I have this kind of excitement when I think about, oh man, someone might find it someday and be able to read it and it might inspire someone else. And that motivates me and you can judge me all you want. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I judge myself for it, but actually it motivates me to write. And so if something motivates you to write, to be able to journal, go for it. Use that motivation. Okay. And so it's a a prompt you can have for self-reflection. Here is a prompt. What sin Do you need to repent, believe the gospel for, and then obey? And I hope you see in what I wrote about not being humble or not responding well, there is a sin that I'm confessing there. It's not complete what I was doing, and I'll I'll complete it later, but there is a sin that I'm confessing in that journal entry. Okay, The the third reason that you should keep a journal. And again, it's optional. Let me say that. Journaling is optional, but I want to, this is a a New Year's sermon, and so I'm just giving some options, some aspirational goals. The third reason you should journal, along with remember and reflect, is to discern, is to discern, okay? The word discern means to tell one thing from another, okay? Discernment is about, let's say, telling right from wrong. And so journaling, I think, is important because it gives you, it helps you to have discernment. And why is that why is discernment important today? Why why should we care about discernment? Well, I think a number of reasons. You are constantly bombarded by information. You are constantly bombarded by words, by news articles, by clickbait, by tweets, by research, by weather reports, by upcoming movies, by new products, and you're not just bombarded by words, you are now bombarded by images by pictures, by TikToks, by Instagram, by Pinterest boards and videos, endless meme videos you are bombarded by and surrounded by. And all those images have a specific purpose in mind. They're to elicit an emotion from you. They're to help, they're to make you feel something. All the images you experience are to help you feel something. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole of feeling a certain way, you can find endless images to promote that kind of emotion. And what that's led to, Today is all kinds of mental health crises, whether it's depression or anxiety or this obsession with oneself. And so what I believe our culture needs is space and time for discernment. And that's why I've talked about solitude and silence as a practice, right? Because you need to be able to push out and not have all the noise and bombardment. And one tool to help discernment is to keep a journal is to write down your thoughts. Because I I, I fully believe the the most powerful way to help in discernment is when you talk to someone else in relationship. And that person can tell you, yeah, you're thinking crazy. You're thinking crazy thoughts. You've been way too much in your head. And that's the power of relationships. But you can also do that between you and God. And you can also do that through, through keeping a journal. Okay, you can write something down. And I think this is really important because a lot of times as Christians within evangelical culture, we say things like, well, before we make a decision, we say, I'll pray about it. Right? We say, I'll pray about it. Um, and then when someone says that, I always want to go, like, what? Like, what are you going to pray? Like, what's, what is exactly going to happen in you when you say pray about it? Because I know when I say pray about it, I'm not actually going to pray about it. I'm going to think about it. It Usually really means that I'm going to think about it and then I'm going to go, God, speak to me. And then I'm going to expect something magical to happen. And then I'll just make up my decision based on my impulses. <laughs> okay. Something like that, right? Something like that. But we know that for a lot of us, there's not really a system or a structure to how we pray and consider something. And I want you to consider, um, I'm going I'm to propose a process of discernment Okay, I'm gonna propose a process of discernment for how you can record something and have really a dialogue with God and with yourself about something you wanna do. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a process of discernment. Um, and this process involves four chairs. I'm gonna get those chairs out. And so you, when you start this process and you say you're gonna pray about something, you're going through a process of discernment. And again, this is helpful in keeping a journal about. Um, you're gonna start with a proposal. Okay, you start with a vision, something you want. Okay, and then second, you're gonna have a critic, and then you'll have an observer, and then you have someone from the grace position, someone giving grace. Okay, so let's start. we will start with the chair. And you can do this if you're alone. I mean, you can do this physically. Again, this, the physical part of it I think is important. And so my, my proposal is, I want a cat. I think cats, I looked up owning a cat on the internet and it said, owning a cat means unconditional love and companionship, and that's what I want. Okay, everybody got it? Okay, the next chair you set up is facing this person. And again, the purpose is to do this by yourself. And now I'm gonna turn towards you, but usually you would turn towards uh, the opposite chair, right? And this is, now I'm occupying the critic role. Okay, let me move this so I can see my wife. If <laughs> you want a cat, <laughs> you can't even take care of yourself. Um, and cats are, they, they, they create a big mess. It's going to be hard to travel. Um, your wife is going to have to take care of the cat. You're not getting a cat. <laughs> and your dog is about to die, and you're already excited about that. So... <laughs> Okay, so, so just, just notice, um, I'm good at being the critic. I'm very, very good at being the critic. Okay, and then this next one, it's supposed to be facing inward, but I'm going to turn it outward, okay? This next one, you might say, and this is the observer role. I just notice this person over here is a little bit idealistic, and this person here is, is quite harsh. There's a harshness over here. Okay? That's, and it's, that's an observation, right? So you can notice the dialogue that's happened. I'm going to turn this back around. And then the last chair is the chair of grace. And you can also call it the Holy Spirit. And again, this requires some imagination to be able to do. And you're going to address, and in this role of the Holy Spirit or grace, you're going to address this person and say, hey, Fred, I know you love a cat. I know... You probably are experiencing some loneliness, which drives that desire, and I just want you to know it doesn't matter whether you get a cat or not. You are loved, you are worthwhile, and you're precious. And a lot of times we get to like this part, right? Actually for me, I'm usually in this chair. This is the chair I occupy most often, right? And in the process of journaling or even going through this exercise, you can find this, this voice may be the most powerful and you may only get to this voice. But the voice over here is what I'd ask you to be able to get to as you pray through a proposal that the voice of the spirit would speak to you. Okay, so in conclusion, the fourth purpose of journaling is to trigger your imagination is to trigger your imagination. I've already kind of done that with this exercise, but I wanna give a couple different options in terms of what it looks like to keep a journal. How many of you keep a physical journal? Okay, you hand write, okay. And so I think that's fantastic. Um, I would just say some of, the, uh, some of the upsides of that is there's, something, there's a part of your brain that's, that's triggered when you're, when you're doing something physically. What I would say on the downside, especially for me, because I'm left-handed and I'm really, really a messy writer, is that it is infuriating to go back to my journals from college and be, able to be like, oh, and then after da 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 happened, I was so angry, and I'm like, I can't read what I wrote. I can't, this is driving me crazy. And so you always have, especially if you write messy, um, you always have that is- issue if you, if you, that you can't read it. You also have the issue of security, like being able to lock it down, like people can find your journals and be able to look at them. Um, I also want to note, in addition to keeping a physical journal, and I just found this out from a friend yesterday, is that you can draw pictures, right? Journaling is also can include pictures. You can use your imagination. And I have a friend who um, takes notes on scripture by drawing pictures, and I think that's fantastic. That is like, do it, make it happen. Um, on the, for me, I use Evernote for everything, um, for all my notes, for sermons, for blog posts. Um, people appreciate the way I remember names. It's because I write them down. I write people's names down in my Evernote. Um, The downside of journaling is privacy concerns. Um, Like I wrote back in 2018, I recall the bathtub in the guest bathroom and I learned one thing from last time, that less is more. (laughs) So That was my learning. That was my self-reflection. Not that spiritual, but that's what I learned. Um, I think video logging is also great. It's quicker than writing. You get to see your facial expressions and tone and inflection. Um, I I just think the downside with video is that it's difficult to search. I think searching becomes difficult. Now, there's software that can do that now. Fantastic. I'm just not aware of it. The last thing that I would say, as far as journaling, is to make your environment work for you, okay? Put yourself in a position where you are in an environment to be able to write, and it's easy for you to do so. So whether it's a physical journal or a digital one, make it easier for yourself. And so let me close with this. This is John 14, verse 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, in all this talk about recording and writing, uh, keeping a journal, and you know even this exercise, I just want to assure you, again that it's not necessary. It's actually not required in the Christian life to keep a journal because we have the Holy Spirit who brings to mind, who helps us to remember what Jesus taught us. And the Holy Spirit not only speaks to you um, as an individual or, or, or through an audible voice, but he speaks through the saints. And so when we are in community and relationship with one another, when you showed up today, you are taking a step to allow the Holy spirit to speak to you, to remember what God has said, what Jesus has taught and to keep those commands and to encourage one another. And so the voice that I would love to have heard, you know, when I was finishing, and I was talking about not being humble. The voice of the spirit that was over here is that Fred, you may not be humble. You may not be gentle, but I am gentle with you and I am humble of heart and you are loved in this moment and you can behave in a humble way and you have the capacity to behave humbly and to receive constructive feedback. That's how I would have completed the circle in regards to that journal entry. And so can you. Let's pray together. (laughs) Father God, thank you for the gift of creativity. Thank you that you have given us and imagination, you have given us tools to be able to keep record of our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, and our choices. Lord, would we in this coming, in this new year, recognize an opportunity to keep record of those thoughts, those feelings, those desires and emotions in a way that future generations could read and and praise you for in a way that would be a tool for self-reflection for us to grow, in a way that would allow us to have discernment on future decisions and as a way to imagine new possibilities and your love for us. So God, thank you for the voice of your spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.